we're standing, can you open your Bibles with me to the book of 1 Peter? The first chapter. Reading from the third verse. You have it say amen. The word of the Lord reads like this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning that we're privileged to be in your presence. We thank you for your living word that has this ability to speak to the hearts, minds of men and women and children. So we ask, Holy Spirit, that you just reveal to us the relevancy of this word to me personally today for we pursue you we seek to know you and we proclaim that we need you in the name of Jesus amen and amen you may be seated this morning God bless you church it's great to be here today with you. I love fall. I don't like heat. I like it that I could put on a sweatshirt or an extra shirt over my t-shirt and take it off if I get too warm. But something about summer, I just... But the beauty of fall is the change of colors and the coolness of the breeze. Early in the morning and later at night. I really enjoy that. And November always reminds me of a special day. It's the day on November 17, 1971, that I married the most beautiful woman on the planet. Her name. Her name is Tina. Amen. Now, I'm not knocking the rest of you ladies. Okay, you're all beautiful too. But I am so blessed to have my wife. Uh, On November 17th, we celebrate 46 years of marriage. And any of you who believe in miracles, you can shout amen. amen. So to God be all the glory. Because any of you that's married, you know. Yeah, you know that God's got to be in the middle of all of that. Amen? Amen. Pastor Ralph used to say, you know, love is blind, but marriage is an eye-opener. And real quick, we'll find out, right? My wife and I also and my family would like to express our deepest thanks to you. Uh, Pastor Appreciation Day is a day that you uh, uh, acknowledge us 
um, you, you give us a token of a gift on that day, and uh, we get to stand before you humbly. But the truth of the matter is, is that you're giving to us every day, every time we see you. Uh, your smile, your love, um, your thank yous, and uh, just your friendship uh, is a blessing to us. So we appreciate you too. Uh, <clears throat> November is also the anniversary of our church. Um, uh, it, is, it, is, uh, uh, it is founded in a, in a people of faith, an unwavering faith. Uh, kind of like my grandma used to say, home is where you lay your head. Well, church is where you get together. Uh, they found themselves in the back of Brother Ed's backyard under that big tree. I don't know if it's still there. But that's I, rem- I remember as far as I could, tambourines, music, singing, and standing under a tree or sitting under a tree, worshiping the Lord. And some of you here today were there with me. And... Um, that only is to say that uh, God is ever faithful. When we are faithful to the small things, God honors that. Amen? And I want you to know, those of you that are involved in ministry, it's not about how many. Sometimes you're worried about, you know, you know sometimes even pastors compare numbers. You know? It's not even about that. It's the heart's that get transformed. And God uses people like you and I to be that instrument or that conduit to make that happen. In these 55 years, there were founding members. And, of course, there was Pastor Emeritus Ariano Flores and his lovely wife, Sister Armida, who is not here with us. And uh, I pray that you be mindful of her right there where she might be today. Uh, We thank you, Pastor, for your leadership. We thank you for... The example of faithfulness, 55 years, the average pastor quits after five. So we give God the glory today. In that mix, he raised us another leader, and that is Dr. Paul Flores and his wife, Monica, who continue to thrive here as we continue as people of faith, expecting great things from God. Amen? Amen. So we thank you all for how you blessed us uh, today. Um, And I also want to say thank you to my friend who's here with me. Give him a good Redeemer welcome. It's my friend Carlos. He's all the way from East Los, so some of you know where that's at. Amen. But I'm glad you're here, brother. Carlos is a co-worker of mine, and I'm, I'm glad that he came to join me today. Um, this morning, our focus <clears throat> is uh, on God the Father. Uh, the word Father can mean different things to different people. The meaning of the word father is influenced by our personal relationship or the lack of a relationship with our own fathers. For some, the mention of the word father brings happy, joyous memories filled with laughter, affection, and love. He's been your provider, your protector, and your sense of security. Yet for others... 
The word father brings negative feelings. Memories of neglect, abuse, betrayal, abandonment, and even resentment. To be called father means to have plans for your children. Your children that you love them and you care for them and you love them unconditionally. Now, I don't know if you remember, but, you know, you're, but just to say that your kids are going to fail you. And if you're going to be shocked by that disappointment, hello. It's just the way it is. You disappointed your parents. Right? Yeah. But that the fact that you love them in spite of what they've done or what they're doing does not take away that they are your children. So this father-child relationship is rooted in love. As God sees his creation, which is you and I, he desires to demonstrate his love to us, purpose to provide for us, to keep us, sustain us, to guard us, and to love us with a love that's never-ending. The Bible describes it as a steadfast love. So this morning, don't let your life experiences with your own natural father Obscure how you see God, our Father. Now, the reason that that's, a, 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 that's so important is because I had an issue with that. You see, with my father, with, your, with fathers, we trust them. They're always going to be there. No matter what, you can count on Dad. I didn't have that experience. I was fortunate that I had men in my life that filled gaps and no disrespect to them. But they could not be my dad. There's something about having my dad. So this morning, don't let these experiences obscure how you see God. Trust me. He'll heal your wounds. And he'll love your pain away. Did you hear what I said? He'll heal your wounds. And he'll love your pain away. In Genesis chapter 1, if we could turn there, verse 1 through 3. We read the following. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Underline this. In the beginning. Do you have a highlighter? In the beginning. We find here in this verse that it's, a, it's an eternal 
proclamation that God existed before anything else. He always was. Believe it, the scripture says he is, was, and forever will be. That before anything was, God was. God isn't a created being. God always existed. He is eternal. He's infinite. He's the alpha and the omega. He's the beginning and the end. And God spoke creation into existence clearly, and he stated that God is the creator of the universe when that first line says, in the beginning. Oh, much have questioned this. I'm not a theologian, but I know one thing. Maybe I can't accurately define the differences of opinions here or the lack of truths from one perspective to the other. But here's thing, one thing that I know, that he who created all things created me. And he who created me transformed me. No person, no program could change my life. It was the power of God to transform me. Where old things would become passed away. And all things would be fresh and new by the power of the Savior Jesus Christ. Amen? So... Genesis clearly states that God is the creator of the universe. But knowing this, we should be cautious. There's some thoughts out there, and more than just the ones that I'm going to share, but there is the belief that God is the world around us, and that God and the universe are one and the same. By the time I'm done reading this, you're going to be real confused, but hear me anyway. (laughs) Additionally, there is the belief that God is in all things, and nothing is isolated from God. And the world is God, and God is the world, and God is, and God is all. The danger is this, is that man is worshiping God's creation and not the creator. The second thing, and that is that the universe is a collection of matter and energy that always existed. This rejects the truth that our God is a personal God. You see, when God said, let there be the heavens and the earth, God was purposed. When he created man, he was purposed. This was not an accident. This was intentional. This was deliberate. This is God's plan to bring man to earth because God is love and God loves his creation. So God's desire is to have relationship with you and I. So God deliberately created the heavens and the earth and man in his own image and this was an expression of his love for us. Clearly stated, Genesis chapter 1 declares to all that beyond the physical created universe there is an uncreated God who is greater than his creation. There is an uncreated God who is greater than his creation. And God leaves undeniable, unrefutable, unquestionable evidence that he is God the creator. Turn to Romans chapter 1 with me, verse 18 through 25. 
have it say amen. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness because what may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, birds, and, and four-footed animals and creeping things. And 24, and therefore God gave them up to uncleanliness in the lust of their hearts, to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie, and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Now look what it says in verse 25. Who exchanged the truth of God for a lie. We cannot deny the evidence and the majesty as we look at nature. Snow-capped mountains, pristine lakes and rivers, the wonders of the span of the skies and the heavens, the depths and the width of the oceans and the sun and the moon and the stars. And any of you who ever went to Yosemite always tells me it's like heaven over there. There's more stars than you can fathom. But very interesting. Can you show that slide, Joey? Very interesting, you know, that we have, we have men and women in our armed forces that have become astronauts. And they've had the privilege of flying and spinning in the heavens. Yeah. A very unique experience. And this is what some of them said as they had been there about this experience. John Glenn said, to look out at this kind of creation and not believe in God, to me, is impossible. The astronaut Frank Borman said, I had an enormous feeling that there had to be a power greater than any of us and that there was a God, that there was a beginning. The next slide. James Irwin said, I felt the power of God as I'd never felt it before. And astronaut Jack Luzma, he said, if I can't believe that the spacecraft I fly assembled itself, how can I possibly believe that the universe assembled itself? When you look at the majesty of God, another astronaut said, being out there, I have just been to the edges of the universe. The immenseness of proof of evidence that there is a God, that there is a creator. Yes. And this evidence, we must know that it isn't without accountability. You see, the evidence of God's creation is God's call to all humanity 
to receive his redemption through his son Jesus and not his judgment. But man, according to the verses that we just read, chooses to deny God in exchange for a lie. We do this as an act of sometimes a mission. I'm not accepting or I'm not denying, but my indecision is an act of rejection or possibly I'm just blatantly refused to accept the truth and rebel against God. The act of omitting is something that we, we do to be non-committal. But the failure, the failure to accept the truth, it results in a yes. Well, I can say that heavens don't exist and that, and that they do exist, but that uh, God is not the creator. But it doesn't change the fact that it's there to prove to you that if it was made, it needed a maker. So man chooses to deny, deny God in exchange for a lie. This is nothing new. It's about the belief that something or someone desires to be exalted above God. You see, the lie was birthed in the heavens, and it showed up in the Garden of Eden. And even today, it lays hold of humanity. You can call them what you want. You can call them Big Red. You can call them the Chamuco. You can call them Lucifer. I don't know what you call him, but I'll tell you what. He's from the pit of hell. It's Satan. He's for real. And he dabbles not, listen, not in the blatant, I'm in your face. Hello, it's me. He's deceptive. He's subtle. He's cunning. He'll convince you you're good when you're not good. That's right. But the Bible says this. That the devil is defeated by what? The blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Come on, you all got a story. And you all got a story to tell. And you got to step up. Because there's a dying world out there that needs to hear your story. Oh, but I'm not like you, Pastor. Oh, I can't talk to everybody. Get off it. You talk to people every day. In your coffee room. Standing in line at the grocery store. Eating over there at Chef's, over there at Santa Anita. And I've told you the story before, but it's worth telling again. I'm sitting there with my nephew eating breakfast, minding my own business. And I said, come on, Mijo, let's pray. And then somebody taps my shoulder. It's the waitress. She says, do you mind if you pray for me too? Hello. Sometimes we go to the restaurant and we say, oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Yeah. Right? It's all right. Go ahead and pray. Don't be embarrassed. Amen. Somebody needs your simple warmth. And say, yeah. Grab her hand. And you can begin to pray and share the love of God. So the Bible reminds us today that God the creator loved us so much that he created us for relationship. And in that relationship, 
He understood and provided a redeemer. A redeemer whose name is Jesus. Right? So that one day you and I can confess and through our faith in God, not by any works that I did, but simply because I had faith in God to change my life. You see, desperation is the perfect soil for change. Pastor Tino kind of knows what I'm talking about. You got to be at a place where you don't got an ego. Because if you had one, you would be unwilling to hang it up anyway. It's got to be stripped away from you. You got to have nothing else to hold on to but just your desperation. God, I need you. And if you're not living life like that, you're not where you need to be. We desperately need God. These are critical times. And our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandbabies and that legacy that, that Rojas that God somehow has afforded us to make happen, that God receive the honor and glory. Because every one of those people that you and I have had influence, that me as the man of my home, the minister of my house, the person who Bible studied my kids, those people that they interact with somehow are going to hear about the gospel. That's what it's all about. There's a purpose for this life. And that is that in all that we do, that we would bring honor and glory to God. Amen? You know, this is a little... Um, <clears throat> I'm noticing that in my excitement that I forgot something that I wanted to say. Don't look at the clock. But I just wanted to say this. I wanted to say this about a father relationship. You can take the slide off. Thank you. Um, that all of us have had mixed experiences. Now, I don't know about you, but I never, I never went to parenting 101. Now, I know a lot of guys that come to the program who work where they got to go to parenting classes, and Sister Linda knows what that's all about. And it's good for them because, I'll tell you, it makes a difference. Uh, now, when you're 17 and 18 and you get married... You, you don't have a clue. I'm in love. Imagine 17, 18 thinking you're in love. I think that's called infatuation. That's a confession. But both Tina and I went through situations in our lives that our fathers faced challenges. The expectation for a child is that dad's always going to be there and he's going to take care of everything. I guess the good thing that happened to me is that I never knew the difference. So I had no level of expectation. What I did have was I had a sense of, how come I don't got a dad when it's dad's day at the football field? Uh, how come my dad never was intended to come and visit? And when I talked about hurts and pains and senses of feeling that 
not only do I feel <clears throat> betrayed or even abandoned at times, a sense of loneliness, um, it creates challenges in our lives, some of which you don't have a clue are connected to the expression of your behavior. Now, I'm not saying that to blame my dad. What I learned about my dad was this, was that actually my 40-year-old son at the time, he's the one that educated me. He said, Dad, he said, your biggest blessing with your dad is that he brought you in the world. If for nothing else, that's what he did. And then he provided you in the protection of a grandma and some tias that took care of you and raised you. And you're fortunate because his older son died drug abuse. His younger son was a heroin addict. His daughter died two years ago from a failing uh, kidney and a liver substance abuse. And my son is telling me this because I'm still 50-something, right, thinking about what was me. But I discovered that nobody could take the place of having a father. And in my effort to connect with him, it became futile. But here's one thing God told me. He told me this, and this happened after I got saved. And I began to understand that my trust was not in man, but it was in God. And here's what he showed me, that I needed to forgive my dad, that I needed to call him dad, and that whenever, if I ever did see him, that it would always be respectful. And so I had those opportunities, few, to count them on two hands. The last time, cousin calls me to tell me that he's dying and that if I want to see him that she's telling me because nobody else will call you. But he's over here in San Gabriel if you want to go say goodbye. So I call my kids and my kids don't know him as grandpa but he is. And my older son says yeah dad I'll go with you. So we go and we enter in the room and um <clears throat> When I called out his name, because I said, Dad, he turned around and he looked at me. There was this glare in his face. And I said, hey, Dad. I said, I love you. And I says, um, I said, goodbye. Uh, he died within a couple days. Um, but it was a sense of closure. But when Jesus comes into your life, he's not like you and I, that though we're parents, we're imperfect and flawed. And we learn and we have the opportunity that when we make mistakes, that we can be man and woman enough, even as parents, to tell our kids, I'm sorry. Because to be anchored by unforgiveness and resentment will keep you back from ever making any progress. But when Jesus comes into the equation, 
He washes away. Hear me now. I, I, I got to say that the blood of Jesus cleanses me. And takes away your agony, your disappointment, your sense of betrayal. And he helps you to understand when he says, I am your father, Ray. You can trust me with everything. I will not disappoint you. I'll be with you day or night. Count on me. And that has been my comfort. As I look around this building and in the field that I work, here's what I know. Y'all got daddy issues. (laughs) Don't tell me you don't. And some of you got mama issues. Yeah, you do. We do. But Jesus makes the difference. I said he makes the difference. He can help us to move forward. And to squash that stuff that has been our stumbling block. And today he created you for a purpose. He wants that purpose to be fulfilled. And he wants to have glory in all that you do. And in all that you say. Because you are his workmanship. Created for his pleasure. That you would fulfill his purpose in your life. This is the word of the Lord today. God bless you. Can you bow your heads with me this morning? So Father, this morning we thank you. We thank you that you're here with us. And we're mindful of your word that says that your word does not come back void. But it goes out to fulfill its purpose. Holy Spirit, you're the revealer. You're the revealer of all truth. And this morning as we've come together, Lord, that you have dropped in our hearts this word for today. A word of hope word of change a word of forgiveness a word of healing and most of all a word of purpose so I pray in the name of Jesus that you meet every man and every woman right there where they're at it doesn't matter where you've been what you've done the Bible tells us that God right on time meets you right where you're at today is your day